Scripted Wrestling Podcast. I'm the man, the myth, the legend, Daniel Hummer, and I'm here with my big brother, Dougie. Yo. Uh, welcome to the show, Doug. It's nice having you. It's nice to be here. Now, this is the wrestling show, right? This is the wrestling All right. show. I was just going to say, because we've been talking about so much. We haven't talked any wrestling today. It's been all yeah. other other stuff. At least it's all shit we still do a podcast about. Yeah, thanks, God. Mainly because we do a podcast about everything in the fucking planet. Yeah, the only thing we don't do a podcast about is our prostate. Yeah, well, that's probably good. That would be a shitty one. Yeah. So, uh, uh, Bash at the Beach 97. We got some WCW tonight. Speaking of prostate. Well, I, <laughs> uh, this was a fun show. We'll get into all that. Is current news? I mean, we talked about the Vin stuff extensively, and I, I haven't watched much this week. Okay, so uh, there is... A little bit of news. Sasha Banks is going to be doing, I think it's the Chicago Comic-Con convention or something. I thought she quit. Well, she quit. She's doing the Chicago Comic-Con as herself. As, oh, okay. Not as Sasha Banks, but as Mercedes Venaro. Okay. Which is her real name for anybody, you know, keeping score. Uh, and because it has been... They have, they have been... Uh, Sasha Banks and Naomi have been removed from WWE's eternal roster. Yeah. So they're all but gone. It's just WWE doesn't want to make the, uh, you know, official statement on it yet, but it's been rumored for a month that Sasha got released. Yeah. But and WWE doesn't want to make the official statement, I'm pretty sure, because they know that I, another uh, gentleman uh, by the name of Khan is going to be calling at least Sasha, you know, very soon. Yeah. So they're probably trying to, you know, uh, you know, keep that from happening. But anyway, so she's going to be at the Chicago convention. Uh, I forgot when the date was, but other uh, wrestling, pro- other like wrestling promotions or wrestling convention runners, yeah, have called her and said, "Hey, we heard, you know, we heard the reports. You know, we want to book you." And she and they had been told, I don't know if it was directly by her, by uh, a management team or whatever the fuck, but they said she cannot, she is not going to do wrestling appearances until January, until after January 1st of 2023. Yeah. So, uh, which is a hell of a long, which is a very long no compete, by the way. Uh, If, you know, that's what we're kind of going by. Uh, and also, and this is what I read today, apparently, if you want to book her for a uh, appearance at a convention, it's $30,000. Bam! Girl making some bucks. What, what's her name again? Mercedes somebody? That's Mercedes Matinas? Mer- no, it's Sa- we're talking about Sasha. And she's going to make that much money? That's what she. That's what her going rate... <laughs> God, I'm talking like she's a hooker. No, but that's her. that's her rate. That's nuts. Yeah. 
is thirty thousand dollars. And she's just going by Mercedes. Mercedes Renaro, which is which is her real name. Uh so is she done with WWE pretty much? Is it done I with? mean that's I I think they haven't officially announced. Them. No, but that's the thing because they're trying to keep these other promoters from calling and trying to book her. Uh, also, um, Eric wanted us to make sure that we mentioned his worker of the week, which is Christian Cage. Yes. Okay. I think that I mean that's an easy pick. I mean Eric's always in for the easy pick. No, I'm just kidding. That yeah. Right. But I mean. It's Christian, and he's fucking killing it right now. The guy's he, having a moment. He's killing it with the promo, and he's killing it, you know, managing Luchasaurus. I mean, yeah. I, I don't he's managing Luchasaurus? Yeah, because they both turn heel on Jungle Boy. Luchasaurus Ooh, really? ain't with Jungle Boy no more, yeah. Well, Jungle Boy's out, he's hurt. Yeah. Oh, okay. But in that, like, ladder match for the tag belts, Christian fucked them over. And, oh, wow. Well, after the match was over. Yeah. So, and did Lucha, because... Luchasaurus was gonna tr- was gonna rip his head off, but he, they never did it. What happened deserve. was he when he grabbed him, he said, "No, we're talking ripping who's head off." Christian. Okay. Because he went to confront him and he grabbed him by the throat and he goes, "Before you do this, remember what happened to Marco," and basically saying, "Hey," basically trying to imply that he got Marco stomped fired. Yeah. So that made Luchasaurus stop and. Christian is playing. Christian's always been a really good heel. Yeah. Because he is somebody that like can outsmart. Or, like when you really want to fucking kill him, he can find a way to outsmart you. I'm just glad they're finally giving the poor bastard something to do. Because uh, go ahead. Well, besides being, I mean, he was doing something with the man with the manager thing. I mean, he's still being a manager, but a manager of a babyface team isn't really doing something. No, it doesn't. It's hard to really make your mark like that. And it, it was so hard to see because last year at the Rumble, when him and Edge were in the ring together and they had that moment, that was like one of the most genuine, nice moments I've ever seen. Yeah. It might have been two years ago. But it was at the Rumble. and It, it, was, it was 2021, so okay. year and a half. So it was both of them. It was really fucking – it was really sweet. It was nice. But then Christian went to AEW. And I was like, okay, he made his name in TNA. This is I'm still trying to justify them at this point for taking a bunch of WWE people. He's his biggest best run, you could probably say was TNA. Well yeah, because I think that's where he developed himself yeah. as as more than just Edge's partner. I think his intercontinental title run is still amazing, but we get the call from Virginia. Oh boy. You wanna take this? Alright. Hello? So, uh, all right. So, my worker of the week is going to be two men, the two men that won the AEW tag team titles uh, on Wednesday night, and that's Swerve Strickland and Keith Lee. Swerve in our glory. Uh, they beat. Uh, my very dear, close, personal, long-time friends, the dumb fucks. Oh, the young bucks? Yeah. And uh, and Ricky Starks and Powerhouse. Uh, I mean, it was a pretty good match. And Keith Lee uh, found out, like, a couple days ago that a buddy of his is going through, uh, like, stage four, some kind of cancer. Aw. So, 
you know, they didn't know whether or not he was going to be at the show because he he had that, you know, be with his with his friend. Right. And uh, but he went there. They won the titles. So that uh, to me, you know, that makes them my you know worker of the week. That makes sense. And uh, um. Also, to another thing, I kind of want to uh, kind of want to bring up is uh, the A and E uh, biography series is back on uh, or the biography WWE Legend series is back this summer. Last week they did the special on the Undertaker. I believe this week uh, might be Goldberg, but they got they got like six of them coming up. Uh, they're doing one on, they're doing one on, uh, they did one on Undertaker, they're doing one on Goldberg. Uh, you holding up all right in here? I'm trying. <laughs> uh, they're doing one on the first WrestleMania. They're going to do one on Lex Luger, I believe, Rey Mysterio, and I don't know why the fuck these bitches are getting one, but they're doing a biography on the Bella Twins. That's nuts. I said my worker of the week was Swerve and Keith Lee. All right, we'll get into that. Can I finish my Christian rant? Yeah, go ahead. So I had to pick up coffee for the office here at the Everything Unscripted Studios. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. All right, good. Uh, Extra whipped cream. Uh, This was – it's really good to see, though, because it it sucks. Their utilization of him so far – I know he was the manager with Jungle Boy, but who gives a fuck? I thought – like, that was my main – I was like – he he gets talent from WWE and Tony fucking wastes it. And the number one example of that is Christian. Uh, that's what I, like that's the name I've been bringing up when I bitch about Tony and fucking because I was like he hasn't done shit with Christian. He's a fucking asshole. But he did something. He's doing something with Christian now. He's giving Christian a microphone and letting him talk. I do think the promos are a little short, but like give that guy five minutes. Oh, fuck the bucks. Uh, he he's great though, and he's always had the ability to talk. But now he's and bringing the real life shit in with Jeff's interesting. Uh, him and Matt don't mean that much to me in the in the ring. Uh, not that I mean I love them both, but like that, that match today, I don't know if it's the hottest it's match in the world. It's not gonna sound like it did twenty years ago. Exactly, but him and Jungle Boy probably will when Jungle Boy comes back, and then he's gonna have to fight through Luchasaurus. So let's see, maybe he gets Luchasaurus. His promos are so good, maybe he gets Luchasaurus on a you know a big big run here. TNT run with uh, Wardlow or something. I mean, it could happen. That'd be cool. But yeah, definitely. I mean, and yeah, I said earlier, uh, Swerve and uh, our glory, that's my workers of the week. I was happy for him. I still think Swerve Strickland needs to turn heel. Because I think that's his best, uh, his best use. Yeah. But who's your worker of the week? My worker of the week, I would probably have to go with the Willow wrestle this week. <laughs> I'm liking Willow a lot. He better have won. Mm-hmm. I really like Wardlow, and I like what they're doing with him. That dude's a beast. I think he's going to continue to be. But I'd probably go Christian, too, because I've seen a lot of Christian's promos. Especially this week, he he really he's knocking it out of the park, 
and he's the best thing going on on AEW right now because they're doing a lot of weird shit. Yeah, I mean, I I will give a shout out too to John Moxley and the the match he had with that Takashita. Mm-hmm. I mean, they beat the shit out of each other. And John Moxley, like, I know during all, a lot of the COVID uh, stuff, like the first half of COVID, he was he was the guy. Yeah. I mean, and there's a good reason for that. I mean, he can carry the company. I know people don't like him. I know people talk shit about his wrestling. Really? People don't like John Moxley? Well, um, Jim Cornette's Mora. Well, yeah, a lot of people don't like his wrestling because it's very, like, brawly. And... Oh, right. He like he always is bringing the thumbtacks in. Right, it's very extreme as opposed to actual wrestling, but gotcha. it's entertaining. It is. You can entertain people. That's your main job. So I don't have an issue with Moxley. I think he's a fine interim championship, and then him and Punk will have a little cool feud to go into when Punk comes back. We'll find out who the real champion is. Yeah, and what's funny there is that there's so many ways they can go with that because, you know. Moxley and Punk are are kind of friends. Yeah. Punk is very close with Moxley's wife. Yeah. Moxley's wife and Punk's wife also, you know, hang. Good friends, yeah. No, I think it could work. And people say, why choose Moxley? Who else did they have, you know? Well, yeah, Anderson's hurt. Adam Cole, you didn't know what the hell they were going to do with him. Yeah. So who else do you go with at this point? Paige just lost it, so it would be kind of weird for him to get it back. Uh, well, Jericho. Yeah, but fuck that. Jericho hasn't been doing that much lately to me. He's the Al Snow of AEW. He's got his own job squad. He's got his own job squad. Like, he just... And I like Jericho a lot, and a lot of the stuff... Like, I, I disagree with Cornette on that, that, like, everything he does is bad. And he thinks his own shit's great. I do think so, he thinks some of his bad shit's really good when it's not. But he has done some good there, too. The inner, inner circle were the top heels for a while. And he did a really good job. And he helped Sammy. It's just, I don't like the way it's going right now. I don't like that Sammy's back with him. Feels like he digressed because the fans turned on him. Well, yeah, because the fans turned on him because they felt connected with him, like with the girl he was with. But because he, you know, decided to go with a woman who he felt was hotter than the woman he was engaged to. Yeah, (laughs) that bothered people because he's a real life heel. Who is this? Sammy Guevara. Oh. He's not a part of Jericho's crew anymore, is he? No, he's back now. That's the thing. He he had a baby face turn. Jericho beat the shit out of him. And that lasted, like, what, a month? Yeah. And now, because the fans hate him again, and he basically is forced to be a bad guy, now they're putting him back with Jericho. Okay. Which, to me, is kind of like a, a downgrade. Like, he was already there. And yeah, moved on. Yeah. And he was looking really good. I thought he was going to be a top prospect for the company. He's, yeah. Still could be, but you want to get into uh, our topic for this evening? Yeah, what is it again? Bash at the Beach, 1997. Oh, yeah. A year after the NWO was formed, my friend. 
right, so we kind of watched the build-up for this. What? Uh, that, Ju- that June 30th Nitro, or at least, at least like one of the parts of the build-up. Yeah. Because, uh, you know, it was on that episode of Nitro that we saw that, like, you know, that's when Jericho first appeared with the Cruiserweight title because he won the belt back. Mm-hmm. We saw some of the build that was going on with Glacier and Ernest Miller versus Wrath and Mortis. We saw the NWO stuff that was going on. We saw Jeff Garrett get kicked out of the Horsemen. So we did see a lot of the build up. Yeah. We saw Flair cut a stupid-ass fucking promo. <laughs> oh, the one with Roddy? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the match was way better than the fucking build up. Yeah. But, uh, Okay. We're at Daytona Beach, Florida, at the Ocean Center. Uh, we have 7,851 people in attendance. Uh, the big draw here is that Dennis Rodman, the NBA athlete, did he pay for the Bulls still at the time, Frank, or was he with the no, yeah, No, he was, he was still a Bull. Okay. He was also still a Bull when he, put, when, uh, he wrestled in 98, too. Okay. So, he's on the Bulls, high-profile. People think he's really good, but he was always a controversial guy. From the rainbow hair to hanging out with Pamela Anderson, Dennis Rodman got a lot of heat for himself. He was married to Carmen Electra, too, right? Mm -hmm. That might be what – I might have fucked up the name. He might have never talked to Pamela. I don't know. I know he had some – Didn't he hang out with um, Kim Young, whatever, North Korea guy? Yeah, they've hung out together. They're actually friends, yeah. Yeah, they're buddies. He says he's a really good guy. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, Dennis Rodman's a weird weird dude, but he's an anomaly. He was a he was a major celebrity, though, back then. Right. Especially in the 90s. So him hanging out with Hogan was cool, man. I thought it was real cool. It brought that celebrity effect that they needed. Yeah, and that, that's what they were really going with at the time because – you know, what they were doing was working, but, you know, eventually, you know, the it fades and it, it gets boring, mm-hmm. so they had to kind of keep it fresh. He actually did a good job, too. He wrestled really well. Uh, we'll definitely get to that in the main event, but he did do a good job. But that that's what's going to be the main event later on, Luger and the Giant versus Hogan and Robin. Yeah. Uh, we... Start this card off. Did you want to go into any any more build up or? Uh, I mean, and also too, you got to remember that episode of Nitro we watched. That's when Kurt Henning first showed up, and everybody was wondering, all right, is he the one that's going to team with Diamond Dallas? Find out later on. And Raven showed up, and you know, you know, they were both impact, the impact players that we expected. I mean, they only advertised one impact player, and both of them came in. Yeah. So. Uh, but we start this off with Mortis and Wrath against Glacier and Ernest Miller. What did you think of this opener, Doug? I personally... Like, back when this first happened, I was actually a fan of all four guys. Really? I was a fan of the whole thing. So you like the Mortal Kombat thing? Yeah. Uh, 
Well, to be honest with you, I've always preferred Street Fighter over Mortal Kombat. Yeah, but the costumes and stuff. Yeah, but I kind of dug the feud because it went on for a while. Yeah. And, like, I, I personally feel like the wrong team won. But I think it was just more like, you know, they had Glacier, who was undefeated, and Bischoff was just like, all right, you know, he's not getting over. They're making fun of him. Who, Bordas or Glacier? Glacier. Mm -hmm. All right. When the wrestling fans are making more fun of Glacier than Disco Inferno, you know it's going to fail. I like Glacier. The entrance was cool. I always, to be honest with you, I, I personally feel like WCW should have done a better job in, you know, 96, 97, 98, they were starting to do a better job. Yeah. But 96, 97, I feel like they should have done a better job with their action figures. Well, yeah. But I, I think the thing that hurt Glacier was that the appeal of WCW was that it was kind of real. Yeah. Like, it's like there's gang violence and there's... People are attacking each other, and it felt a little more real than the cartoony shit that Vince was doing. So, when you're watching that program for that, and you get that guy that dresses like Sub-Zero from Mortal Kombat, and it's basically like he is, like, Bischoff played Mortal Kombat with a kid or something, and he's like, oh, this is great, we're going to do this. Well, he was a karate instructor. Yeah, but karate people, uh, karate masters don't dress like that. Like in Mortal Kombat, people do. Like it was straight out of the video game. Right. His look for sure, because that's how Sub Zero dresses. But like my my point about the action figures is that like these four guys would have been would have made great action figures. Yeah. But who's gonna buy them? Me. Well, yeah, you would have. Buy everything though. Yeah. Uh. I this match actually worked for me. I thought it was pretty uh, entertaining. I didn't have issues with this match. Uh, yeah, the wrong team won, but Mortis and Wrath seem more of a team than Glacier and Ernest Miller. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So I think Glacier needed somebody else with him, even though I loved the cat. He was funny, but I didn't even know Miller was there in '97. So, well, he came in. Because he thought about making the venture into wrestling, but he didn't know how to get started. But it also turns out that he was Garrett Bischoff's karate teacher. So when he asked Eric, he said, how do I get into wrestling? He's, just, he's like, just come to the power plant. You know, we'll train you for a few weeks, and then I'll get you on TV. Yeah. And that's what happened. I mean... I thought the match was good. I mean, I I was happy when they fin- when Glacier finally kicked James Vandenberg in the face. But then when Mortis hit him with the kick with the chain, I mean, I just feel like if this were going to be the blow-off match, Glacier and Ernest should have won. This was also a weird thing for Raph to be doing. Real weird. Brian Clark has done everything, huh? Yeah. The former Adam Bomb. Yeah, he... He never quite worked. I mean, they tried with him. I mean, when they brought him back as Wrath, but took him out of that, you know, that Mortal Kombat villain thing. Yeah. And made him, like, the, you know, 
gave him that singlet and all that. Like, that was starting to work. Yeah. And as far as Mortis, Chris Canyon was always a good worker. Mm-hmm. He could go in the ring. So th- and him and Glacier could both go. That's why that they- was an interesting feud. It, it didn't end here, did it? It kind of did. They had, like, one more. They had a couple more tag matches. They had a match on WCW Pro in, like, September, October of 97. Okay. That lasted, like, a minute and a half. Did Mortis and Wrath won that, too? No, Glacier and Ernest did. Oh, fuck yeah. I remember that episode kind of fondly because mom and dad actually let me watch that for some reason. They're like, hey, you want to watch wrestling? I'm like, yeah. I always want to watch wrestling. Yeah. Who the so, hell do you think you're talking to? Exactly. So, and you that was... You know who I am? Yeah. It's like, and it, that was like the big main event that they were advertising. And the match lasted for like 90 seconds. Yeah. So... Absolutely. And what's funny, too, about Chris Canyon, like you were saying, he was always a good worker. He started out as just doing jobs for the company in, like, 94, 95-ish. Yeah. Then late 95, they teamed him with Mark Starr, who was another jobber, as the tag team men at work. I remember They were construction workers. Yeah. But it was a take off the movie called Men at Work. Oh, with Charlie Sheen. With Charlie Sheen and uh, Emilio Estevez. Estevez, His brother, right? Yeah. And also, they were, uh, there was also a band called Men at Work. Mm Mm-hmm. So. Big phrase. Yeah. So they were, so Bischoff was kind of making, but instead of making the two of them garbage men, because, you know, wrestling already had a garbage man and it was failing. What, Drossi? Yeah. He's like, you know what? We're going to make them construction workers. And the gimmick sucked, but they both, they were such good workers that they actually made uh, people, like, look good. Yeah. I mean, Mark Starr was fucking getting title shots against Ric Flair on Pro. For crying out loud. That shit's crazy. But yeah, I like Chris Canyon and it's a shame how everything turned out. But he was he was damn good in the ring. Yeah. I remember seeing him because my first exposure to him was the VHS tape of SummerSlam two thousand one. Oh, the cage? Yeah. And I always loved how he just like, Yeah, fuck you, DDP, I'm out of this bitch. I don't want to get beat up by these two guys. Like a lot of people hate that match because it made DDP look bad. But I always looked at it fondly. Yeah. And I rooted for DDP in that scenario for some reason, even though he was a crazy stalker. But uh, Chris Canyon's like, I gotta get the fuck out of here. Because <laughs> he was also the U.S. champion at the time. Oh, I forgot about that. They should have did more with him. They should have, but, I mean, he just didn't fit in the WWE style. No, he didn't. And you weren't going to pay to see him in Rock or anything, you know? So... It's understandable. Let's go into the next match. Chris Jericho. Uh, rating. Oh, for this one. I mean, I'll, give it a, I'll give it a five and a half. Me too. I give it a five and a half too. Uh, let's go to Jericho and the, 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 the ultimate one. Ultimate uh, Dragon. One of my favorite wrestlers ever, to be honest with you. Who, Jericho or Ultimo? Ultimo. 
I loved him when I was a kid. There was just something about the look. Like how most kids look at Rey Mysterio. That's how right. I looked at him. It's just it was a mask. powerful outfit. Yeah. Remember, too, like, he was another one. And this is what I loved about color schemes, about, like, certain guys. Yeah. Uh, is that, like, his color scheme, it wasn't, you know, a lot of times, yes, it was green. Yeah. But sometimes he could do uh, pink. Yeah. Or, you know, gold or silver. The best was the blue, though. The baby powder blue was the best. I was just going to mention that. Like, that was good. I WWE, I think he did red a lot, right? When he was there. He did red, but he did a lot of the blue, too. At least that's what his outfit was, and here comes the pain. I forgot he was in that. Yeah, I loved him in that game. I just, Ultimo Dragon is so badass to me. To be like someone, like, you got a Rey Mysterio, and then you got Ultimo to me. Like, you take these two kind of short guys and two different things, like Ultimo's obviously a Japanese wrestler and Ray's the Lucha Libre style, but Ray was never, he was always in the underdog role. And Ultimo was never in that, really. A little bit in WWE because of the guys, but Ultimo was just that legit motherfucker that you don't, you don't mess with. He, he didn't miss a little bit, right? No, he never did a miss. He never did a miss? No. I feel like he had colors around his mouth sometimes, though. But, uh, you know, I could be wrong. But uh, neither here nor there. Ultimo Dragon, he was just always so badass. And You're it's thinking like, of Muda. Because we're going to be talking about Muda. In just well, I know Muda does the mist. I just I thought Dragon hit it a couple times. My mistake. Uh, but he was still, like, he was legit. He was just super legit, and he seemed like he, he seemed like the one cruiserweight that could actually beat you up in the parking lot. Right. And his move set was great. He was a good high flyer, but he could also do grounded moves. To me, he, he's my favorite cruiserweight of all time. He was one of the best ones, that's for sure. And he's the one that made it not just flying around and shit. Yeah, you could do all those technical wrestling moves. Yeah. And him with Chris Jericho, I thought was just a pretty good pairing. I mean, it's. Bland, uh, bland white meat baby face, Chris Jericho, but still. And what's actually funny is Dragon was getting this, uh, the title shot here because, and I'm, I don't know, like, if they explained this in the buildup or not, but Dragon was getting this title shot because he was technically the last person to beat Jericho before Jericho became champion. Yeah. But uh, it was damn good. I thought it was a good match. I think both guys worked to their best ability. It was a 13-minute match. It was, I was just going to say, they gave them time. They had a lot of time. And I just thought they did a really good job. Uh, Chris Jericho wasn't there yet with the personality, but his moveset certainly was. So I give this one a 7 out of 10. I'll give it a 7. I'll agree with you. I would have liked to see Ultimo win, but still. All right. Well, he would actually, Dragon would win the TV title not long after this. Yeah. He would win it back. Yeah, he got the TV title, right? Yeah. Uh, Who do you want it from? Not the, not the Nitro that came on right after this, but the Tuesday Nitro that they aired the week after. Okay. He beat Regal for it. Absolutely. So now we got the Steiner brothers, Rick and Scott. Uh, uh. Uh, you and me in an alternate timeline. Uh, and Versus Mashihiro Chono and the Great Muda. One of the greatest of all time. 
this was actually a lot of fun. So this match, pretty much, this was Hall and Nash. Scott and Rick are the number one contenders for the tag titles, right? Yeah. And Hall and Nash were trying to avoid them like a hooker with syphilis. And uh, they had the Steiners sign a contract uh, making them think that they were going to get the title shot at Bash's Beach. Even though Scott Hall already had a match plan, you know, because he was going to be Macho Man's tag team partner. And uh, after the Steiner signed the contract, Scott Hall shows me and Gene. He goes, you know, they didn't sign the contract to wrestle us. They're going to wrestle Muda and Shono. And me and Gene's just like, how could you do that? And they're, you know, whatever the fuck. Uh, so this match was pretty much the Steiners had to beat Muda and Shono to get the title shot. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, they were no strangers to each other because back in the early 90s, Muda and Tono were actually regular partners in New Japan and the New Japan uh, Tag Team Champions, uh, the IWGP Tag Team Champions, and Scott and Rick were always fighting them for the titles. Yeah. Well, Scott and Rick did a lot of J- Japan work, didn't they? Yeah. Uh, yeah, they were, like, most known for a lot of the Japan stuff earlier. They actually left Vince in 94 so they could go work Japan. That's nuts. Yeah. Well, uh, it was before baby Braun was born. Whatever they asked Scott about the WWE, he said, well, both times I was there, I wanted to quit the business, so. Yeah. And Rick wasn't really too fond of, of WWE, you know, at that time either. They never used either of them right. Yeah. I mean, they're doing okay now with... Uh, Ron with, Breaker, yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, your unofficial twin. What? You were both born on the same day. Yeah. But God gave a lot more to that motherfucker than he did me. He's like, we'll give him all the muscle. We'll give this guy the belly and the tits. Uh, but this match was really good. Do you think he came out of the womb barking like his father? Probably. <laughs> I came out meowing, so. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the gray Muda was looked really cool here because I like the NWL makeup. Yeah, that that was fun. What did you think about him in the NWL? It didn't last long. It well, it lasted. He would join like the NWO Japan stable. Yeah. Uh. It, did, it didn't really last long, but I felt like, because he was to New Japan what Sting was to WCW. Yeah. So they were trying to prove, okay, if Muda could jump, there's still a possibility Sting's going to jump. Yeah. So I I liked it, and there was, like, a possibility for him to have, like, really good matches with guys. Yeah. But instead, they just stuck him with Chono, which was, I, I'm sorry, and I know he's a former NWA champion or whatever, but Master Chono could not work. Not like Muda could. No. Muda was like the gold standard. Yeah. Like, he worked matches with Flair, didn't he? Yeah, worked matches with Flair. He was, uh, you know, back when Chono could work, mm-hmm. you know, back in, you know, 92, 93. Mm-hmm. You know, him and Muda had really good matches against each other. Yeah. 
But then, you know, Muda, or, you know, Chono decided, oh, I'm going to mo- work more like Kevin Nash and Scott Norton and not do a fucking thing. <laughs> and be lazy. Yeah. But uh, I like this match. I, I give it a six out of ten. I give it a six and a half. I love the Steiners. Yeah. How can you not? Yeah. As baby faces, I liked them, but this was around the time I was like, I didn't enjoy Scott as much as I did as Big Papa Pump. Here. Yeah. I liked early 90s Scott and the NWA stuff, WWF stuff, all of it, but some like 97, 98, whenever I go back and watch those, I'm like, I, it's time for him to make that change. And They've been trying right to get him to turn heel for a while. Yeah. Well, 92, Bill Watts wanted to turn him heel. He responded to that by saying, fuck you. Bye, and they went to the WWF. Yeah. Because uh, Rick didn't even, uh, Rick wasn't even sure it would work. Because Rick was afraid of what was going to happen to him. Yeah. Because Rick's career, because Rick was doing singles work, you know, as a singles babyface before Scott came along. Yeah. And Rick was kind of floundering. Yeah. Scott came along, they became a tag team and one of the best tag teams of all time. Real life brothers, too. Yeah, exactly. So, like, when they wanted to turn Scott heel in 92, like, Rick was unsure about it because Rick didn't know what was going to happen to him. Hey, it's like, hey, what the fuck? Yeah. And then Scott was just like, you know, Scott, you know, not wanting to leave his brother's side. And then in 94, there was actually talk about splitting the two of them up in the WWF. And they responded to that by going to Japan. Yeah. And not coming back. But then finally, you know, in 98, when they did get split up, Bischoff's reasoning for that was he hated tag team wrestling. Which is interesting that Bischoff hated it because WCW's tag team division was better than WWF's. At that time, yeah. Like, 98, 99, they really didn't have much of one. For a while, though. Yeah. The Outsiders, uh, fucking the Steiner Brothers, Public Enemy. Harlem Heat, Ming and the Barbarian. Who else? Harlem Heat was going to be mine. Oh, sorry. (laughs) Uh, And even, like, uh, the combination of whatever horsemen were teaming together that week. Uh, The horsemen... I mean, Bagwell and Norton were pretty good together. Yes. Uh, you know, high voltage, even though they were the jobber tag team. They won on that Nitro we saw, though. Yeah. All right, let's move on from this. Did you give it a rating? Uh, I said six and a half. Okay. Now we got Le Parca, Psychosis, and Villano 5. Viano. Viano 5. Let's just take a villain. <laughs> the, the villain. Five. Yeah. Uh, he's the fifth one. Yeah. Again. Well, no, it's supposed to be the fourth. Well, the fifth one is the one that took the fall because he came in, but Viano uh, four was the one that was. All right. Well, whatever the fuck. Against Lismark Jr., Hector Garza, and Hoovy. I like most of the guys in this match. I thought this was a lot of fun. What did you think? I love these Luchador matches because I always thought they were kind of. I always thought they were kind of fun to watch. Yeah. Mainly because the commentary team has no idea what the fuck to call. But And I love it at the beginning of the match when they said, all right, time for uh, the Luchadors in action. And Heenan's like, don't bring him out now. We need today back first. 
Well, yeah, because he's the one that knows everything. Yeah. He's <laughs> like, where's today? I would always love when – like, I remember once, uh, I think it was Chavo and Eddie's hair versus hair match, and Tanae was talking about all this stuff. And he was, like, talking about that Eddie lost, like, a hair versus mask match or something. He's getting in the rule set. And he, like, got into all the Lucha Libre, like, history. And Heenan's like, how do you know all this stuff? <laughs> and, it was, yeah. and he's just like, well, I was actually there for that one. But I, uh, you know, do a lot of research. He's like, oh, okay. Yeah, because I remember one time, Tanae was spouting off about something. And Bobby Heenan looked at him and said, is there anything you don't know? <laughs> Who's today? Mike, Mike Tanae. Oh, Tanae. Yeah, he was uh, kind of a, I wouldn't, I don't know about secondary, but he was like the third man announcer for WCW, and he was the lead announcer for TNA. That's why you haven't seen much. Oh, okay. But he was a big staple in the uh, late 90s for WCW and the 2000s for TNA. Uh, Tanae was a really good announcer. Yeah, he did. It was hard for him, I think, as the TNA lead announcer. Yeah, that's not his role. He's good as that third guy that brings knowledge to I mean, I loved him and Don West together. They were fun. Because they were fun. He just got a little old by the time, like, Taz got there. Yeah. Like, he was a little old. And... But him and Taz had uh, had potential. Yeah, they did. It was good. I didn't hate it. I like today. Yeah. I like all the guys in this match. It's funny that this match is like every AEW match now. Yeah. Six man where you don't know what the fuck is going on. Well, and that's the thing is that like the six man. All right, so the six man tags were always a staple in AAA. A lot of times, a a AAA card was mainly six man tags. That's yeah. all you would find on the card. AEW thinks that they're lucha libre wrestling. Yeah, a little bit. Well, they think they were either Lucha Libre or, or Japan. I mean, uh, Tony Khan, Tony Khan thinks that they're either in Japan or Mexico. Oh, well, it depends he on the week. He likes everything. He's a fucking mark. Yeah. MJF. I mean, he's just like, I, I don't think he thinks we're in America. I mean, probably next week he'll probably think we're in France. You'll see JR come out wearing a fucking beret. <laughs> Pissed. Yeah calling people the wrong names, like, fuck this bullshit. Yeah, and you'll see... He does not want to be there. No, he he, <laughs> he doesn't. Like, he you can tell he's miserable. <laughs> he's, he is fucking sick and tired of this shit. You think he's had enough for wrestling? Uh, yeah. Uh, he's 70 years old. He, and I think he... I think that... He, I think that he thought that he was walking into something completely different. Because Tony lied to us all. And I know I say this a lot, but Tony lied. He said this was going to be sports-centric, and it was going to be and very... it started off sports-centric. It did start off, but now it's just the Bucks and Omega doing whatever the fuck they were, having right. a wild fucking shit show, just shitting on the business. Now I'm sounding like Cornette. But it's just, it's not what it's, what JR thought of it. He thought it was going to be like old-school wrestling. Two guys go in there to have an issue and settle it. Right. He didn't think it would be sports entertainment bullshit like what Vince does. And then he kind of got the same fucking thing. And blood and guts and all of Jericho's nonsense. It's not sports-centric at all. Can we at least agree on that? It's no, I, I agree with you. And don't get me wrong. There's a lot of people in AEW that I like. Me too. I don't hate the entire show. I'm just saying the premise for the company was a lie. <laughs> they, they're they not doing, like, 
I don't see that much of an alternative from that in the WWE. I just see it. All right, so here, to me, I, I'll watch, like, you know, any kind of wrestling or whatever. Yeah. The only wrestling I won't watch is, like, I won't turn on, like, CZW or GCW. Yeah. Which is, like, it's more, you know, deathmatch. Yeah, because it sucks. Because I will agree with Cornette that that is garbage wrestling. It is. But, like, I, like if it's on or whatever, if I happen to be uh, it down, can be entertaining down oh, yeah. here, like, and it happens to be on, like, I would turn on, like, an episode of Impact. I wouldn't mind really watching it. Yeah. Or MLW or Ring of Honor, which, by the way, Ring of Honor has a pay-per-view next Saturday. Yeah, that looks better than the AEW one they just did. Yeah, I'm actually, I want to see, because it's going to be on Bleacher Report, so I want to see how much it's going to be. Yeah, I'm not paying more than, like, $20 for Ring of Honor. Oh, boy, And I'm tired of giving Tony Khan money. Fuck that motherfucker. But this match was really fun, and I love Hector Garza. Yeah, he was he he was just such a. They could have done more with him. He was great. He was great. They, they could have done more with his son too, or nephew, niece, uncle. Yeah, him. Who fucking knows? Yeah. Angel was cool, but Hector especially really fucking good. And I, I love Psychosis. I love La Parka. Sonny Ono can just fucking. You hate Sonny. Oh my God. He's uh, but Laparka is one of my favorites. Mm-hmm. I always like Laparka because he's like the big dude in the cruiserweight. And the funny thing is, is that now he's doing the chair gimmick here. Yeah. And that was fun. I mean, I give that I give this match a six, just because it was so wild and unpredictable. But that's when it was fun for this to be wild and unpredictable. Yeah. It wasn't because we hadn't seen it for ten years. Yeah. It was it was good though. I liked this match. I, I did we give it a rating? I just gave it a six. I'll give it a six too. Next up, we have the infamous retirement match between Mister uh, between the Taskmaster, Mister Kevin Sullivan, and uh, Chris Benoit. Uh, the Taskmaster has Jackie and Jimmy Hart at his side. Yeah, I find it very creepy that like when Benoit came out to the ring, uh, they showed. In the crowd, they showed a woman and uh, a little boy. Yeah. That's his ex-wife, Marina, and uh, young uh, young David. Yes. His son. Yeah. Like, I was just like... Poor David. Well, and here's the thing. That night... That night is when uh, he told Marina, uh, Marina, his first wife, that he was leaving her for Nancy. Really? It all went to hell that night because uh, after this match was over, they started kind of having a pull apart in the back. And uh, uh, Nancy's sister was there with Kevin's kid. Right. And uh, Kevin said to, uh, to Nancy's sister, Sam, uh, Sandy, she's like, you know, come on, let's go. And Chris grabbed Sandra and said, no, you're coming with me. And she's like, fuck you. I don't even know who you are. <laughs> and he got Nancy on the phone, and Nancy was like, no, I'll go with Chris. That's funny. But, yeah, no, like, everything went to hell, like, that that night. Yeah. Like, uh, both marriage, well, Kevin and Nancy's marriage was just about over to begin with. So this was all that night? Yeah. 
that sucks. According to what uh, Sandra said, Sandra uh, about six years ago did a Jericho's podcast. This was the payoff for their feud, though, wasn't it? Yeah, this was technically to write Sullivan off of TV so he could just focus on being the booker. I thought Benoit was messing with women long before that, and that's why they got into this. So, when they originally came up with the storylines, it was like they had no idea who the fuck each other were. Yeah. All right. And then Kevin was really starting to push, hey, let's make this personal. Uh, let's make this personal and start, you know, being all lovey-dovey and shit. And then they did the thing where, uh, you know, they did a tour of Germany in late 96 and they did a video of like them romantically sipping wine and, you know, both in, you know, bathrobes. Yeah. Uh, and then, you know, afterwards, like, you would see them, like, Kevin Nash talked about how a few times he actually caught the two of them making out in a coat closet in the back. <laughs> and so, like, it was around 97-ish where, like, everybody started to figure out, well, because Kevin was already going to file for divorce anyway. Yeah, he was done. He was done. Uh, Benoit's wife wasn't done yet because she didn't know that it was th- she didn't know that he was done. Really? No, she has no clue. That's if she did, do you think she would have been there? All right. And the shitty thing at the time is they had a daughter that was only two years old. Their daughter, Megan, was only two at the time. Yeah. And she's one, actually, that, like, when everything went down, uh, like, David kind of, you know, David... You know, I'm doing the thing. I was doing the, you know, the presses or whatever. Yeah. Megan didn't want to deal with a lot of this stuff, so she actually, she stayed in hiding. Yeah. She's never gotten a social media account. Right. It can be a lot, I imagine, when that's your legacy. Yeah. That your dad did that. None of her own fault, but. Yeah, but no, like, she uh, she did one message board, like, a couple of years afterwards, she's like, look, my name is Megan Benoit. You know, people say my dad did this, uh, but I, you know, I love my father and all that, and I really don't want to believe it, but, yeah, and that was like the only thing anybody had ever really heard from her. Yeah. Nobody's ever really seen pictures of her. Really? Not online. Wasn't she on that, um... Dark Side? No, that was Daniel. No, uh, David. David, yeah. Oh, I thought she, um... No, that was the uh, sister. Oh, okay. That was Nancy's sister. No, the daughter didn't do it. Like, she, the daughter and uh, Chris's first wife wanted nothing to do with it because the first wife tried to do everything to keep the kids away from from all that. As a matter of fact, like, uh, Nancy's uh, sister and parents wanted to stay in the kids' lives because they were kind of becoming, you know, they were all family. And uh, Chris's, uh, well, Marina, the first wife, said, no, like, this is, because she blamed, uh, she blamed Nancy for a lot of the shit that, you know, a lot of the shit that happened. She thinks it's Nancy's fault that, you know, Chris went nuts and. Yeah. But anyway, no, so about about this match, this match was uh, really fun. And Jack, uh, 
You could tell there was heat, though. Yeah. Because they were fucking stiff. They, I mean, Benoit was always stiff, but they were fucking They were stiffing other. the shit out of each other. And then, like, you could tell, you could tell Jackie was pissed. Yeah, Je- well, Jackie's always stiff. Yeah, well, and I'll tell you, like, there is no way, like, you can nobody can start a rumor that Jackie was the one that Vince McMahon was trying to pay off for sex. Yeah, in I 2005. Mean, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Let's move on. Uh, what would you rate this match? I rated it a seven and a half. I I go seven and a half. I seven. I thought it was really good. Uh, but yeah, Jacqueline's a tough woman. She's a tough. I wouldn't want to fucking get in a fight with her. Yeah. She's she's legit. You don't want to piss her off. All right, Jeff Jarrett and Mister Steve McMichael with Queen Deborah. U.S. title. Jared has gotten ostracized from the Four Horsemen. Right. Told to take a walk. And now he's here from some revenge, and he beat Steve. With the help of Deborah. Which I think, like, according to the thing last night, like when they had it on their uh, board or whatever, or their screen, it was winner take all. So I don't know if Deborah was a prize or what. Now, she never was really, like, with. Jeff, right? She ne- no, she was never like engaged to him or okay. anything like that. They were just they never dated, right? No, they were just working together. No, because like on screen you could never really tell, especially like the puppy thing where he's like, "Those are my puppies." Yeah, no, it's just no when uh like when she started like really like flashing him around. Yeah. Uh, she was already dating Steve Austin at the time. Yeah, so she went from one Steve to the other. Yeah, her, all right, so her marriage to Mongo officially ended in October of 98. Now, they separated in in September of 97. Yeah. How long were they together? Uh, the marriage officially was 13 years. Because they, they dated, and Mongo's mother apparently hated him because she's the one that introduced him to Deborah. So I don't know what the hell he ever did to his mama, but uh, like apparently this was her way to get back at him. You're not a Deborah fan? Oh God, no. She was annoying back then for sure. Here's here's the thing: as Queen Deborah, she was just like uh, that voice. It's just like. I could think you're the most attractive human being in the world. Once you start talking, if that voice makes blood come out of my ears, I want nothing to do with you. Yeah. And we've had people come into our mother's house that have done that. Like, I think they're the most beautiful people in the world. Then they start to talk, and then that chub goes in, you know, (laughs) disappears and actually, you know, walks out the other side of my ass. What the fuck? I like to be graphic on this show. No shit. I think you should probably go to the doctor soon. Yeah. Uh. Yeah. Definitely. Because my chub gets up and walks away. Out of your butt. Yeah. Yeah. I like Deborah. I mean, I don't really have care. I like her more in WWF, obviously. Yeah. But uh, yeah. This and this match was all right. These Michael wasn't McMichael wasn't the best worker, but. He uh, was entertaining, and uh, Jeff Jarrett knew what he was doing, even though he was dressed like a male stripper. 
So I thought it was all right. I give this one a four, though. It was a little under. I'd say I'd say about four. I mean, it, it continued the story, but like, I mean, and they've had a good feud. The problem is, is that like, Mongo just couldn't. Mongo could cut a promo. He could cut a promo like no other. Yeah. But he did, unfortunately he couldn't work. So. I'd have to agree with you. All right. Scott Hall Rande Savage uh, with Miss Elizabeth, of course, against DDP and the, the major player, Kurt Henning. Yeah. With Kimberly. Uh, this was really good. It was. Uh, oh, it only went, it went, what, nine minutes? Yeah. Okay. So I I enjoyed it. And I kind of like the twist at the end because I've always thought that Kurt Henning is better bait or better heel than babyface. Oh yeah. Okay. Because I just don't see him connecting with the audience. He's going to be in a dick. Yeah. Because he's like, oh yeah, I'm the greatest wrestler in the world. Ninety-seven. I wouldn't actually say that, but yeah. Ninety-two. He was though. Probably from about eighty. Seven to ninety ninety two he was or ninety ninety one ninety two yeah absolutely uh and this match was no 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 different uh all four guys can go all four guys are entertaining yes all four guys probably had their own demons at the time too except for DDP but it, it was this was a lot of fun it was a good match I think the wrong team might have won but the heels had to go over here so the baby faces could have made it. Yeah, and also, too, if you're going to, you know, do the story, which DDP and Kurt Henning actually had really good matches against one another. Yeah. So DDP like, and Macho had really good matches against each other. Exactly. So it just, it worked. Because now you're starting to think, oh, my God, could Kurt Henning go to the NWO? And he fucking proved that. Yeah. That's still my least. I mean, I love that War Games, but it was emotional. So, do you not want to do that in September? We'll see. I give this an 8 out of 10. I give it, yeah, I'll say 7.5. All right. Now, match of the night for me, Roddy Piper and Ric Flair. As old as these two fuckers were, they did. This was fantastic. Yeah. Phenomenal. And this proves that, like, you know, because Piper... Could ha- like around this time, it was really hard to get a good match out of Piper unless it was with somebody that he really liked. Yeah. Like, you know, the first match he did with Hogan at Starcade was really good, but then, like, the second one sucked, and obviously the age in the cage wasn't that good either. It was just more because, like, you know, they had the magic for that first match. But Ric Flair and Roddy Piper were best were best friends. Yeah. So, like, of course, you know, Piper's going to enjoy working with him. They were very close homies. Yeah. I, I liked Roddy Piper against Ric Flair, with Ric Flair, whatever. Those two just always felt like they should be together in the same room. Yeah. Even though they weren't like him and Arn, but I always felt like Roddy should be with, what's his name? Yeah. No, because it, it worked. It worked exponentially well. Like, I loved it, like, when Flair threw the chop at him last night, and Piper just looked, and... That was the ending, right? I think 
Flair. Then he hit him with the sleeper. Yeah, and Ric Flair sold it so well. It it, it proved that the old dogs could still go, given the right scenario. Yeah. Because Piper and Ric Flair both had some shitty matches around this time, but they proved that they, it wasn't really their fault. It just it depended on who you were working with. Yeah. It wasn't the same player that could work with anybody, but he you could get a good match out of him still. And Roddy did. And Roddy looked amazing. I loved his WCW run. I did too. I loved it when he became like the interim like commissioner matchmaker. Yeah. Like when he came out like uh that that week, the week after JJ Jones got the shit beat out of him and he came out as the interim chairman. And he comes out and just starts cutting, like, this weird-ass promo, but it was kind of fun to listen to. He's like, I'm not going to put up with any whiny wrestlers. If I tell you to eat your broccoli, you're going to eat your broccoli. <laughs> and then, uh, like, he did this thing. He's like, Hogan wants – Sting wants Hogan. Hogan wants Sting. Hogan wants everybody. Well, let me make your dreams come true. <laughs> it was just like Piper was <laughs> – he was always entertaining. He's one of the best promos ever. Yeah, and when his music hit, a lot of times, pop. Pop, not just from the crowd. Yeah. From the announcers. Yeah. Like that episode of Nitro, which we might end up doing uh, for awards run. Uh, when he, like, when he came out, when he came out as the interim chairman, which they didn't announce him, like, they just said, here comes your interim chairman. His music hit. Shivani pretty much, like, you can almost hear this cum coming out of Shivani's crotch. Uh, Jesus Christ. I got to paint a picture. Uh, yeah, so does Tony, apparently. Um, But, like, Tony's just like, oh, I, I know that music. And it's just like, it, like they always popped every time. Yeah, it was a big deal. Yeah. But it, it always made him seem like a big deal, even though he was old. Yeah. I love Piper and WCW. And yeah, that chop and the way he looked at him and then he hit that sleeper, that was a perfect ending. I'm sorry, Piper's, or Piper is a much better wrestler than... Oh, Reggie? Yeah. Ooh, I, a, well, I mean, I know you agree, but that's a hot take. Eh, it's not, I mean, I love them both. To me, it's like, I, I like dark chocolate and milk chocolate. I like rosé and Merlot. Yeah. I like them both. I'm sorry. Flair can only go woo and grab somebody's crotch. From the year 1993 and on, I agree with you. I mean, if I wanted to watch somebody, if I wanted to uh, watch one man grab another man's crotch, I'd just watch old episodes of Jersey Shore. You you do watch old episodes of Jersey Shore. Only when you have them on. You love that show. Secretly. Oh, God. Uh, Roddy, yeah, Roddy's the man, I, but I, I love Rick, too. I hated Rick's haircut at this time, though. Yeah, it was kind of... It was whack. Yeah. All right, 10 out of 10. I agree. Uh, Lex Luger and Giant against what we came to see, Hogan and Rodman, was Savage in the corner. Because Savage had to be around again. But I, I love Randy. Well, it's the funny thing is, is that, like, it was actually around this time, too, like, you could tell Hogan and Savage, like, even though they were always around each other. Yeah. 
Savage wanted, always wanted to punch Hogan in the face. He fucking hated Hulk Hogan. Well, you can't blame him. Hulk Hogan shit on his whole career. He never did a clean job for Randy Savage. Never. And he never just sat back and let Randy run the show when he should have. Randy would could have been the man on several occasions and was arguably more popular than Hulk on several occasions. And he was always held back by Hogan. Always held back. Hulk Hogan cares about Hulk Hogan, and that's fine. But Macho Man, that's the real fucking deal. And he could actually wrestle. He wasn't just a fucking kick and a leg drop. He was an elbow. <laughs> now, he had a lot, He was one of the best wrestlers. Yeah. Uh, this match was fun. Giant looked respectable, which makes me happy. Uh, Lex Luger was the fucking man back then. So underrated. Uh, we've talked about this numerous times, but Luger really was the guy. Like, before Goldberg came along, the guy, and I know Sting too, but that, like, secondary baby face next to, like, Sting, like, fucking Luger was phenomenal. And he got huge pops whenever he hit that torture rack. By the way, August the 5th, we are going to do, that's going to be our next war drum. Okay. And it's going to be uh, the August fourth episode of Raw Nitro. Yeah. Now, just to be prepared, it is a three-hour Nitro. Uh, <laughs> Sorry, did I say that out loud? Yeah. yeah. Uh, but, and that's actually the uh, Nitro where it's Luger and Hogan for the title. Ooh. So, that's why we're going to cover it. Uh, so, um, you enjoyed the show yesterday. I did. Yeah. So, I mean, well, it was, I, her, it was her idea for us to watch I, it. So. I actually did enjoy it. Yeah. I mean, we tried to go upstairs. Three hours just seems like a lot. I understand. That's raw every week now. Yeah. That's why we don't watch it. No, this was... Why are we doing... We're doing a Nitro next week? Not next week. When? No, August, August 5th. 5th. August 5th, I said. And that's just the Nitro, or is that the war? No, we'll do a war drum. Oh, okay. Next week... So we also have two more additional hours of Raw, if that makes you feel better. Uh, Not in the same no comment. <laughs> right. No, next week I'm actually thinking uh, oh, uh, Feud Retrospective, Triple H, and Rock. Fuck yeah. Let's do that. Okay. But this match was really good. Lex Luger was a million bucks. That the pop he got he whenever he came was out. So over. And the funny thing is, is that like if you listen to Bishop, Luger's contract was only a hundred and fifty thousand dollars a year. Yeah. Really? Yeah. He didn't make that much because he was always seen as problematic and a dickhead in the locker room. Yeah. And uh, Bishop wanted him to turn the offer down. Yeah. He gave him the lowest amount of money. Just so he would, he would say no. And he's like, all right, yeah, I'll take it. Fuck it. And then he came down. And he made a little bit more after that, but not a lot. I think around this time, I think maybe like 90, uh, like 97 is like when he was really making the money with Hogan. Yeah. I think they bumped him up a little bit. Yeah. But he never made like Nash money from what I've heard. No. He and, got the guaranteed contract though, didn't he? Yeah. I'll never forget though, like uh, the story of, uh, when Luger ended up getting divorced from his first wife, Peggy, and it's fucking... Because Sting was admitting to his wife that, uh, you know, this was summer 98, Sting was admitting to his wife 
that, uh, you know, he was cheating on her and he's doing all this stuff and yeah. he was being unfaithful. And while confessing, he also confessed that Rick Steiner and Lex Luger were cheating on their wives. <laughs> and it's fucking funny narc. Thing, huh? Fucking narc. Yeah. And the funny thing is, Sting's wife stayed with him. Rick Steiner's wife stayed with him. Peggy got a divorce from Luger. So Luger got Luger got fucked. Poor Luger. Oh, he probably shouldn't have cheated on his wife. But uh, Lex was... Smooth point. Yeah. Lex was so damn good. And it bothers me, the conversation around Lex. Because Lex, they kind of talk about him like he was a bust when he really wasn't. He drew so much fucking money in, in different times, too. Him and fucking Flair did a great job. That was over. Yeah. When he was the horseman that left and then feuded against the horseman, that did big money, him and him and Rick in the NWA. And then as the, you know, uh, the arrogant... Uh, arrogant heel? Yeah, but what was his name? Oh, the narcissist? Yeah, the narcissist, Lex Luger and WWF. That could have done well. But then they tried to make him another Hogan. It wasn't going to work. But I feel like everyone just looks at that time and like, oh, he was a bust. But no, he drew a lot of fucking money elsewhere. He, he was huge for WCW and Crockett. Huge in the NWA, and then huge here against Hogan. And he was a superstar. Like, he should be in the Hall He's in the Hall of Fame, right? Not yet. He I, should be in the Hall of Fame. I, if he, if fucking... he doesn't make it, if he doesn't get in there next year, which I'm I'm hoping with the fact that they're going to run a biography on him this summer, yeah, that's going to start kind of planting the seeds. It's like, okay, maybe we'll get him in. I hope so. Because he's just so, he was so good. That torture rack was so good. And, like, when I think of Hogan at this time, I think of him going against Luke. And they yeah. had the better matches than Hogan had with Sting. Yeah, I think that's because, you know, to be honest with you, I actually think Hogan and Luger had a better relationship than Hogan and Sting. Yeah. And the, the reason why I say that is because the whole, like, when Luger had that little couple-day run, with the, with the belt. Yeah. It was Nash, Hall, and Hogan that said, we need to do this. Like, this needs to happen. But then Sting got pissed. Because Sting's like, well, what the fuck am I going to do? And they're like, we're not going to, you know, we're not going to keep it on them. But we have momentum here. Yeah. Let's capitalize on it. We'll get a monster fucking rating. That nitro was awesome. Yeah, which is the one that we're gonna that I just talked about that we're gonna do. Didn't he win World War Three too? Or no. no. Oh, sorry. He came close at every damn one that he did. <laughs> no, in ninety five I think he was like one of the final six guys. Ninety six he was one of the final three. <laughs> ninety seven he was final five. In 98, he was final three again. Damn. So why they never fucking pulled the trigger with him winning, I, I don't know. But, no, he was super over. And Dennis Rodman proved that he, like, you know, he can listen when people give him instructions. Yes, they do. I mean, he's not a rainbow-haired jackass. No, he's not. Uh, this was a good match. Giant looked good. Dennis Rodman looked really good. 
Yeah, I was actually kind of impressed with his performance. Yeah. And, and well, he's, a, he's an athletic guy. The funny thing about the Giants is around this shot, like in like 95, 96, the only thing they ever really wanted him to do was chokeslam. Like that that's for like for the first year of his career, that's why Jimmy Hart was his manager. Yeah. Because Jimmy Hart, who's a boil on you know, the boil on the backside of life, would come out with the giant and then like you'd have guys that like start the you know, they throw like two punches at the giant, Jimmy jumps on the apron, distracts the guy, giant hits the choke slam that's it, because they thought that's all the guy could do. Yeah. Then he started kinda of getting that athletic ability in and all that and they finally dumped Jimmy Hart. Too bad he didn't choke slam him off the roof of Cobo Hall like they did to him. Yeah. But uh, then, you know, he started getting that athletic ability. But then the problem was he started gaining more weight. Yeah. All right. And, you know, when they did the whole thing where, like, Kevin Nash accidentally dropped him on his head, mm-hmm. he was 540 pounds at the time. That's nuts. Okay. Yes, Kevin Nash could jackknife him at 450. All right, when Giant was 450. But even then, he hurt his back. Yeah, that's a lot of weight. We we talked about it, I think, on this show. Yeah. And it was just, but like at 540, it's just like he's not going to be able to pick him up. But Giant, uh, you know, is a big donut guy. Yeah. He loved ice cream, too. Yeah. And cigarettes. Yeah, Big Show wasn't healthy. No. But, you know, he was still damn good at the time. He was green, but I liked him here. I did, too. I thought he, I thought him and Luger as a team were fantastic. Yeah. And even though, like, Rodman and Hogan, like, that's the reason people came, I'm glad that the faces got the win. It made for a nice pay-per-view ending. Yeah, it made for a nice pay-per-view ending, and it also kind of helped justify the fact that Luger was going to get the title shot. Exactly. Uh, so, I really like this. I give this a 9 out of 10. I'll give it the same thing. Uh, you want to give some final thoughts on the pay-per-view, Dougie? I love... This was actually probably my favorite pay-per-view of 97. Okay. <laughs> I, I love this show because this is actually like a one pay-per-view... I mean, Uncensored kind of had, like, a feel-good ending, too. Yeah. But, like, the baby faces got over and all that, which was very rare because, like, the NWO always had to get over. Yeah. Especially that bald-headed goof that was running (laughs) that, you know, was the champion at the time. Yeah. Uh, I mean, well, technically, the only thing he was over at that time was over the hill. Uh, but I, I really, I did enjoy this pay-per-view. I thought everybody that was put on the show proved that they belonged on the show. Yeah. Uh, and yes, some matches were great. Some matches were just good. Some were okay, but I, I, I don't think there was necessarily a bad match on the show, even with Mongo in one of them. Yeah. So my final rating for this, I would give it an eight. Okay. Yeah, I thought it was really good. I I liked mostly every match. There was a couple filler ones, but I thought this was it was a fun WCW pay per view that kind of kept the narrative of the Nitros going, and uh, it was good celebrity uh, involvement. I think 
along with Logan Paul and Bad Bunny, Dennis Rodman was one of the best celebrities to work a match. So I, I thought he was really good. I, and I thought the the whole pay-per-view was just very solid from the opener to, to the end. And like Ultimo and Jericho was a highlight. So I, I, there was a, there's a lot here to like. And yeah. there's a reason that this time was so popular for them. So, yeah, 9 out of 10 for me. This one really worked for me. I liked yeah. it. Uh, you want to give some plugs and then we'll go home? All right. Listen to Boxman and Smart, the wrestling outlet. Uh, Wednesdays, about 10, 15, 10, 20 Eastern time, Mixer.com slash wrestling outlet. Uh, they can be found on all major podcast platforms. Catch them Saturday nights, 9.30 p.m. Eastern time, Mixer.com slash Hollywood Hangout. Catch us 6.30 p.m. Eastern time every Friday night for Unscripted Wrestling on blogtalkradio.com slash everything unscripted. Uh, next week, like we just decided, we'll be doing a Triple H and Rock feud retrospective tomorrow night, 7 p.m. Eastern time. BlogTalkRadio.com slash everything unscripted will be unscripted unlimited. Uh, the original plan was going to be a uh, character retrospective on Tony Donoso from NCIS, but we're going to change it up. And instead, it's going to be a BB house guest retrospective on Miss Rachel Riley. <laughs> Uh, so, I mean, because to be honest with you, I, uh, oh, Brandon, Brandon, yeah, uh, to be honest with you, like anybody that's watching the new season of Big Brother, the house guest that just, you know, evicted herself, to me, kind of has, like, racial tendencies, and that's kind of why I want to get into it, or, well, I don't want to get in into her, but, you know. Well, and that's the thing, um, no offense to Brendan. Her sister, maybe. And no offense to Brendan, but my statement's going to sound pretty bad, too. And, Brendan, I have all the respect in the world for you and your wife, even though I thought you guys were dickheads on your season. But Rachel seems to have grown a lot, and we're we're going to try to stretch out Rachel Riley for an hour next week. <laughs> so we're going to do our best yeah. together. That, that'll be tomorrow night. Uh, also, uh, another note about Unscripted Unlimited on August 6th, we're going to count down the top 10 best cartoon theme songs. We're in the middle, I'm in the middle of collecting ballots and stuff right now. Yeah. So we got that to look forward to. That's, uh, first Saturday in August, Sunday, 3 p.m. Eastern time, Stab Cat. No. No? No, it's, we're doing it Tuesday, I believe. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. Uh, uh cause, uh, it's Kevin's birthday weekend. Okay. Uh, make sure you, I'm sure that I think the show's already scheduled. So just yeah, I know all this. Take care of it. I already was planning on it. All right. Uh, Monday, 7 p.m. Eastern time. Web Cave. Yes, we are going to be doing. By the way, you and Sharon are coming back. Oh, we are. Yeah, yeah because we're doing another. We're basically doing settle in the ring here, but we're doing another face off. But we're making it more of a debate, more of an argument. We got four rounds, and we're going to. You guys are going to decide, based on me and Bobby's uh, arguments, who the better character is between uh, Damian Wayne, Robin, and uh, Jason Todd, the Red Hood. Okay, is uh, Bobby's uh, better half uh, coming on, too? She's going to be a judge, yes. Hopefully you guys don't fuck me over again. But I'm pretty confident in this one. Well, make sure the check clears. Well, you hate Damian, so we might be okay. I don't know if we should tell Bobby that, though. But uh, Red Hood against Damien. So it's going to be... Wait, who are you? Oh, oh, wait. So you're... uh, I'm Red Hood. I'm Jason Todd. Yeah. Oh, okay. 
and then, of course, check out uh, Sean uh, Fedcheck, our buddy, Elite Diplodoc on YouTube and Twitch, and also tomorrow on Facebook Live, if uh, you happen to be friends with him. He's getting married. Congratulations, Sean. So, Sean, congr- congratulations. Uh, sign Good the prenup. Uh, but uh, we love you, Sean. But, yes, we do, Sean. Yeah. So, congratulations, buddy. Just don't do anything stupid online. Yeah, like we do every Friday. Yeah. Uh, and Saturday. And Sunday. And Monday. <laughs> I'm not on the Sunday show. Yeah, that's why those ones go all right. <laughs> all right. With that being said, everyone have a blessed weekend, and we will hear from everybody uh, tomorrow for uh, Unscripted, Unlimited, and uh, our Rachel Riley conversation. All right. Doug, I love you. Love you too. Bye.